Hello and welcome to the Sanctuary, a safe space to speak from the heart. I'm your host, Israel, and my guest today is Ian Shepard, the owner of Right Start Newcomer Services. Thanks for coming on the show today, Ian. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? Yeah, today's good. Um, the only thing that I'm not so excited about is the weather. I think we have uh, rain coming for the next two weeks, which is pretty standard for Halifax you know, this time of year, I think. So when I was uh, when I was getting ready to move, uh, one thing you 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 know, so we use Zyscience services, and one of the things you take all these courses, and kind of the, one of the courses is like how to make small talk, and like almost every time it's like you have to talk about the weather, I'm like <laughs> like weather, and then I moved, and really you know you've been the lift, and oh how's the weather today? Yeah, that it's just like the weather, but I think it's kind of you know it's pretty unique here because the weather like you know. You can start really, really cold and end up really, really warm with some rain in between all in the same exactly. day. Yeah, I think that's why we like to talk about it so much because it changes, right? So there is always something to talk yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's uh, talk about you today, uh, newcomer, uh, Right Start Newcomer Services. So what uh, pushed you to start it? Yeah, um, so I started... So, well, I started working on the business about a year ago. Uh, I left my position at ISANS that you just mentioned. So my training is in, you know, language instruction. I've been an English teacher for a really long time. And more recently, before I left my position at ISANS, I was the coordinator of orientation services. So I would deliver, you know, training for new Canadians and teach them how to make small talk and you know, start a business or find a job or get a health card and all that stuff. And I really found that I had a passion for that. And I, you know, I love teaching. It doesn't really matter what I'm teaching. And I love working with newcomers because, you know, they're so enthusiastic and I really felt that they needed my help and they were very appreciative for that help. So, you know, to make their transition to life in Canada easier, you know, they need support and they need people to help them out and hold their hand a little bit, um, not physically, but, you know, you know, figuratively, they need somebody there to, to sort of guide them. Um, and yeah, I loved what I did there, but I felt that there was a need for maybe more services or there were some gaps that I saw that, you know, weren't being necessarily met by the government provided services. So I thought maybe I could, mm. you know, find a niche there, find a gap in the market that I could step into. Um, and, you know, working at ISANS was great. The people were great. The, the clients were great. Um, but I, you know, I was there for 11 years and I just felt it was time to move on. Mm, mm. Um, and so I'm going to jump back a bit. What you said, you, you're like an English language instructor. Um, what made you decide to go that route? Like, is that something you want to be growing up like a teacher? I've always thought about teaching. You know, uh, of course, I when I was in high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I was sort of pushed into, you know, sciences and maths and engineering and stuff like that, because that's what my brother did. And, you know, that's what my parents thought would be a good career path for me. Um, so I went to, you he's older. Well, oh, yeah, he's three years older than me. And you know, by the time okay. I was in high school, he was already at Queen's University studying engineering. And, 
you know, so I sort of followed in that path a little bit. Um, so when I got to university, I was in sciences. I did quite poorly and I failed out a bunch of classes. So I switched to arts. Mm. Uh, I did end up with an economics degree. And, you know, what do you do with an economics degree? Maybe work at a bank, maybe get some type of business job. Um, but, you know, my grades weren't great. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I had a friend living in Taiwan at the time, my next door neighbor from when I grew up. And, you know, he was living mm. there teaching English at the time. So I thought, that sounds pretty cool, right? You get to travel, you get to live <laughs> overseas and experience a different culture. So I thought, why not? I'm mm -hmm. not doing anything. I might as well make money and travel. So I went to Taiwan for four years uh, where I taught mostly children. But, you know, it was a good way to get your feet wet and find out, is this something mm -hmm. that you like to do? So I did love teaching, but I didn't like teaching kids necessarily. Why not? Oh, I didn't have the patience, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I tried. In film, yeah. in film, they say, you know, you don't want to work with kids or animals. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I try to follow <laughs> that um, rule. Yeah. yeah. So what I guess, <laughs> you know, when people always talk about teaching English, in my mind, I used to think it's sort of like translating, but it's not like you don't really need to understand the language to teach English, right? Yeah, well, when I went to Taiwan, of course, I didn't speak a word of Chinese when I arrived. Um, but, you know, th there are teaching methods that allow you to teach to somebody who doesn't speak a word of English, right? So a lot of pictures. Um, when I was working with kids, it was songs and things like that. So... They learned the sound of the language first, maybe. They don't necessarily know what they're saying or, you know, a lot of them weren't speaking much in their own language because I was teaching kids as young as three. Um, so oh. basically the whole gamut from three to 16 or 17 when they're graduating from high school. Um, so, you know, kids at three. What would it... Yeah, what, what would a typical day look like? So when I was in Taiwan, it was mostly in the afternoons and evenings. So, you know, mm -hmm. the average day you stumble out of bed at, you know, 9, 10, 11. Uh, often, you know, you would take some Chinese classes. So when I first arrived, I got up in the morning, took Chinese classes, got some lunch, made my way into work around maybe one or two in the afternoon. And then you would teach from two to nine at night. So that was a pretty standard schedule. So in the four years, did you get fluent in Chinese? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> also, I was going to ask, um, like, uh, learning to read Chinese, you also learn to write it or it's just like spoken? So there is a way to learn Chinese through the Roman alphabet, which is called... Pinyin. What? So basically it makes the sounds using the Roman alphabet... So it writes it out instead of relying on Chinese characters. I hear you. So that's where most people start. I, I mean, but you could, you know, order your food or say hello, things like yeah. this, right? So I took classes for Do you still have six a months, uh, six to nine months. Um, so I had the basics. I could say some food. I could give taxi driver directions to my place. Um, you know, I could answer the phone, that type of thing. So the very basics. Um, but, you know, my plan was never to stay in Taiwan super long term. Mm. So, like I said, I was there for four years. I always knew that, you know, I wanted to come back to Canada at some point. So, you know, I wasn't really interested in learning language for its own sake at that time. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I just got the basics and then 
went about my daily life. But like four years is a long time. Uh, what kept you there that long? I, I mean, I made a lot of friends. Uh, the money was pretty good. The taxes were low. The living expenses were low. So I was able to save money. Uh, I got, you know, we got time off three to four weeks a year. So it's such a central location in Asia that you can hop over to Hong Kong or Singapore or I went to the Philippines and Thailand. So all of these countries are pretty convenient. Um, you're making relatively more money than the people there would make. So traveling to those places was really inexpensive. Um, and, you know, I sort of, uh, well, I, I was yeah. going to say, you know, you get in a habit. So it's a routine, right? And you get time off, you travel, come back to work, save some money, and you just sort of fall into that routine. But, you know, after four years, I realized my career prospects in Taiwan were were limited to, you know, teaching mostly um, because that's all that I was really qualified to do. I could have opened, say, a language school there, but some of the rules in Taiwan say that, you know, if you're not a citizen or permanent resident, you can't open a school all by yourself. So you would need a Taiwanese partner oh. with you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I didn't really want to go that route. So I decided to come okay. back. And uh, how was it for you after leaving in Taiwan for four years, coming back to Canada? Yeah, so uh, there was a bit of that reverse culture shock, for sure. Um, in what way? So many white people. Um, you know, it was a bit of a shock just seeing, you know, you're used to seeing a 95% Chinese or Taiwanese population. And you come back, you know, 95% of the people are white. Um, you know, fewer people around for sure. So, you know, I hear a lot of from my clients now that when they arrive in Halifax, they're kind of shocked and nobody's around, right? So to them, the streets are barren. <laughs> I was talking to a couple the other day, they were on uh, my live stream and they were talking about coming to Halifax in the middle of summer on Barrington Street and they're shocked that nobody's there. And I was thinking, like, <laughs> this is the middle of the summer. This is the busiest time in Halifax. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I, I think for me, because when I first moved, I lived in Truro for a while, uh, and I walked in Halifax. And what I noticed is, you know, it's like there's these huge gaps of just forests and trees, and then a little settlement, and then forests and trees, and then little settlement. And like I wasn't used to that at yeah. all. Yeah, it is pretty sparsely and, and then, for sure. Yeah. yeah, and then the other thing that hit me again is just how massive Canada is. It's just big, 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 yeah. big. Um, even in Truro, like would live on one part of town, but then just to get to the grocery store is like another part of town. You pretty much have to drive <laughs> everywhere in Canada, huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you know, like uh, I lived in Lagos. I lived in Cape Town for a while. Um, and you'd like, you could, you know, consider walking stuff, but like here, a car is sort of a necessity, especially when it comes to winter. And when I moved here, I moved in winter, which I sh would never, have, well, I would never advise anyone to do that. But if you can suck it up, then like, you know, you've, you've experienced the worst and then it gets better from exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 
So you moved back, and what did you do after the culture shock? Uh, yeah, so, you know, I spent maybe two or three months, you know, stayed with my parents for a while, traveled around Canada a little bit. I think I visited my brother in Ontario because, you know, I hadn't seen him much over the four years that I was there. Um, then, you know, mm -hmm. I, got a I found a job here at a local language school. So I started teaching, uh, it was a private company, teaching mostly international students who wanted to come and study in Canada before they made it to mm -hmm. university uh, where they wanted to continue their studies. So I was there for a couple of years um, and I was teaching part time and I was sort of the social activities coordinator part time. And that was a lot of fun. What would I involve? Oh, you know, planning outings. Um, it was this pretty sweet job because once a week I got to take them to a famous bar downtown called the Ale House and oh. we had some drinks and had a good time. So, you know, I was getting paid to mm -hmm. basically show the clients a good time. So that was pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and what made you so the four years you were in Taiwan um did you ever come back to Canada or yeah I think uh I did once so one time during okay. those four years I think uh Christmas time I came back mm. Mm. okay and then you had this job for a while how I guess what made you leave and where did you leave to uh from my my job here in Canada the language school. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, my goal was always to work with new immigrants. Um, so I was pursuing opportunities to do that. And, you know, so I saw a job was posted or actually, I think I was getting my master's at the time. So I, I had my master's in education and one of my classmates was then working at ISANS. So we started to talk about what it was like there. And I told her I was interested. Mm -hmm. A job opportunity came up and she recommended me I bombed my first interview and didn't get that job. Uh, <laughs> how do you know you bombed it? Like, you know, how do you know you bombed it? Let's okay. start with that well, first. I mean, the actually, there were two rounds. The first round, I thought I, I nailed it, right? I did well. Second round, I know I bombed it because, you know, some of the questions I couldn't even answer. So when you can't formulate <laughs> a coherent sentence in answer to a question, then you're pretty sure that you didn't get the job. Uh, so, <laughs> one thing about like we interviews, honestly, sometimes do you ever, you know, in um, in your experience, like do you ever find that it's like a crapshoot, right? It's sometimes it's how that person feels that day. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I'm just gonna throw you low ball questions. How are you doing today? And what what is one plus yeah. one you know like the one plus one version of whatever it is you're yeah. doing and then when they are super upset they'll be like you know find the square root <laughs> of 69 divided by i'm like what are you talking about yeah. uh, definitely yeah. <laughs> okay so you bombed like um how did you handle that and how long did you take before you tried uh, to get a job? So, again? you know, I was disappointed, um, but, you know, I, I knew I would try again if a job came up. So I think it was probably a few months went by. Um, I think I took some time off. By the way, what was the job you applied for? It was just a English instructor at ISANS working with new immigrants to Canada. Okay. Um, so I did apply. Okay. I it was reevaluating my life, uh, decided to take another vacation. So I traveled around Canada, traveled through the States. Uh, it was a great vacation. I drove to Vegas for my friend's bachelor party. Wait, wait, where did you drive from? From first? here. So 
What? Well, not directly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. drove to uh, Toronto. My, my brother's close to Toronto, stayed with him for a few days. And then I went south, uh, you know, through Detroit, all those states on the way to Las Vegas. Yeah. You know. Uh, a bus put me on a plane and take me where I need to go to, man. <laughs> you know, I, I understand the pleasure of driving because, you know, I've, I've driven once to New Actually, I think twice to New York. Okay. And it's fun because you can, like, stop and just see stuff. Yep. But then, oh, man, it's like it never ends. It just... Yeah, I was... Uh... Especially if you're the one driving. Oh, yeah. So I did that solo. So I was driving the whole time. Oh my god, that's even worse. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a Canadian thing. You know, maybe we like road trips and we like the yeah. You know, the splendor of the open road and the the mm. adventure of it. I don't it's know. It's like it's summer. Get the car ready. We're just gonna go somewhere and just drive and drive yeah. and drive. Okay, so you did this. This is like what weeks and weeks to do that. The trip, whole right? trip was like six weeks. So yeah, 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 yeah. Sounds about yeah. right. How was the wedding in Vegas? Oh, though? it was good. Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of fun. You know, that was my first time in Vegas, and I think everybody should mm. go experience it at least once in their life because <laughs> Why? it's such a spectacle. I mean, everything's blown out of proportion and. Has to be the biggest and the best and the loudest. Yeah. So you got to check it out at least once. I mean, I blew way too much money. Okay. I mean, I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so you made your way back to Halifax. Yeah. And then did you still have that other yeah, job? Yeah. Or? So they gave me like a leave okay. and I was coming back to, you know, continue my mm. part-time role there. Um, and then this job at ISAN sort of just opened up and I don't mm. think they even interviewed me that time. So they, they were, see, such, see, yeah, see what exactly. I said, it's how that person feels that day. I told you, I, I, I'm pretty sure I did <laughs> blow that interview, but I think they were desperate for somebody like within a couple days to come on and, and take oh, that okay. role. Cause, okay. uh, the person yeah. I replaced was sick. And so it was an mm. urgent need. I was maybe the first person on the list to call and, uh, I did get that position. So basically I wasn't, you know, formally hired. I was just filling a gap, uh, that was left by mm -hmm. the person before me. So yeah, I got in there part-time and that led to a full-time permanent position over time. So oh, yeah. yeah, that's how I got that job. Mm. And I guess, you know, something you've done pretty much consistently, even in the new business with um, Right Start Newcomer Services is essentially teach. What do you love about teaching? Uh, that's a great question. So. I, you know, I love the interaction with the clients, with the students. Um, I love how, you know, you sort of see that light bulb moment that they get something, uh, you see the progression. So, you know, I really like teaching sort mm. of the, the low to intermediate levels because that's where you see the biggest progression with learners. I mean, once mm. you're at the really high levels, learning comes more slowly. When you're at the beginning levels, you can't really have that conversation and the engagement and the joking around so much with the students. So I like that sort of high beginner intermediate level. Um, yeah, and they were just so kind and it was a lot of fun. You know, we, we always had fun in class. They joked around with me, I joked around with them. We played games, we did a lot of different things. So I like it, you know, I'm, I am an introvert, so I'm an introverted person, but 
No yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> you you mask it oh, very really? well okay. then. Yeah. I, yeah. I think a lot of teachers are introverts and they sort of, they can put on a show for a while. Um, but then, mm. you know, at the end of the day, you're spent because you've expended all your external energies, right? So mm. I am an introvert, but I didn't mind being in front of the class and putting myself out there um, because, you know, I got used to it. My my first mm. few classes, I was scared as hell. My face was red. I was sweating <laughs> like crazy. What are you scared of? I don't know. It's just, you know, the public speaking thing, maybe. Um, mm. And you afraid of looking like an idiot and not knowing what you're talking about and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Explain this CLB thing to me. Like, you know, so... I mean, my English isn't bad, but you kind of to do much in Canada, you need to get like your CLB scores. First of all, what does CLB mean and like, why is this essential? That's a good question. So uh, CLB stands for Canadian Language Benchmarks. Um, so okay. this is a created system for gauging, mostly for immigrants, so new immigrants language level in order to place them in the right classes for government funded oh. language programs. So mainly it's just used by the government, although you know some universities and colleges may accept a CLB level for admittance there. Mm. Um, but you know, it's, it's not necessary. So if you're not getting any government funded services, you know, you find a job on your own, you don't need that type of thing, then you don't really need mm. a CLB. But, you know, it's a free test. Yeah. Is that even possible in Canada? I don't think there's really something you do where, like, you don't get some kind of funding from the government. Like, is that ever possible? Like, in Canada, though. Because, like, I've been here for a while. And the really cool things has some kind of government funding. You know, you kind of see the little flag at the bottom of the thing. Even movies, you know. Oh, yeah. They uh, pump a lot of money into, like, Canadian film movies and that type of thing. So, you know, that's one of the reasons our taxes are so high. So the government funds a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I guess I'm one of those people that I don't care how high my tax is. As long as I'm seeing what the tax is doing. So I don't complain. And the very first, like, you know, so I don't think I'll ever complain about my tax. Because one time, like, my knee hurt. And, like, I'm I'm kind of a wuss, but it was really, really bad. And then I went to the hospital. Like, I think that was the very first time since I came to Canada that I went to hospital. Like, actually went to the emergency you know, went there and then they checked my knee and I got an x-ray and they did everything and they, you know, told me what was wrong, gave me a prescription, everything. And then I just walked out of the hospital. That, like, I think, you know, you know, so there's the coming out of the airport and like freezing my behind off that was the one shocking thing and that was another thing that like i went to the hospital and like i got this really really like i was oh my god I'm, how am i gonna pay for this and i just walked out and i'm like okay i don't care i didn't even look at how much came out of my thing because like what it's doing is super important and super essential that was one of the times i was like okay i made a right yeah. choice <laughs> i made a right choice so um you were in Iceland for 11 years, and uh, and then uh, was there a point in the 11 years, you know, um, 
right at newcomer services started coming to the fall of your brain like okay this is something i'd like to do yeah i'd say about a year or maybe a bit more than that before i left my position there so i i mm-hmm. you know i always thought that because you know, near the end of my time at ISANS, I was the orientation coordinator. So I was giving a ton of workshops to different groups of people. So some that had just arrived and also some that were in the language classes. So I would go around and talk about taxes. Uh, what else did I talk about? Winter in Canada. So the cold weather, how to dress. Um, so I did like a- Change your change tires. Your tires, all that stuff. So. I had these like five or six workshops that I repeated over and over and over again. And I thought, I'm getting pretty bored of this. It's... (laughs) 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 But yeah, I must have done like that tax workshop. Over three years, I would say I did it, you know, close to 50 or 60 times. Wow. So, I mean, you know what the next slide is going to be. Yep. So I knew it. I had it down. I mean, my job was easy, but it was repetitive. And, you know, I would see the same yeah. clients year after year for the tax workshop. And some of them, after they've been mm. in Canada four or five years, they're like, oh, shit, here comes Ian again to talk about taxes. We're going home, teacher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, <laughs> you know, it's usually around the start of the year, you know, March, April, around the start of the year, you have to get things ready because, yeah. you know, you have to pay the government That's their money. <laughs> so, so you're like, uh, and then what was the process of setting it up? For You mean setting up the business or setting up? Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, you know, a year or so before I left ISANS, I was getting kind of, you know, bored, you could say. Uh, and then I thought, you know, it's crazy I'm doing this you know, 50, 60 times the same workshop. So I thought it's got to be put online, you know, whether it's a live stream or create resources and put them on YouTube. So I started to see gaps. um, And I also thought, you know, there's no program in Halifax that gives tours of the city. So I thought I'd like to do city tours, you know, meet people within a week or so after arrival, answer their questions they have about Halifax and settling show them around, Mm -hmm. helping them make connections and stuff like that. So I started to see a few little gaps. Um, So yeah, I did decide, you know, probably a year or two ago. Um, Then I finally gave my notice at the end of March last year. And then COVID hit Mm -hmm. and immigration basically shut down. So I was like, oh, shit, what did I do, right? Uh, So (laughs) I I decided to keep going, plug away. Uh, Then I applied for this entrepreneurship training program so the government funds a program called seb told you government funds everything yeah (laughs) you got to take advantage right uh once you see how much right 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 because you pay all these taxes man you might as well get what's what's yours right so right right uh, right, i applied for this self-employment program with the nova scotia government and i got accepted into that uh, and that provided me sort of an allowance it's like a living allowance Mm. uh while you're taking these entrepreneurship classes at a place called SEED, so Center for Entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. Education and Development. So we did the training Mm -hmm. with SEED. They gave me a business counselor that I met with once a month. Uh, Then you write your business plan and do customer discovery interviews. And then, you know, they help you through Mm -hmm. all stages of the process. So that was really helpful Mm -hmm. for me. Um, You know, I knew a bit, I read a lot before I even got to that stage, but it was good to have somebody to bounce ideas off of, 
even my classmates mm -hmm. that were in the program with me, they were really great. Um, but you know, the best thing for me was being held accountable because I'm the type of person mm -hmm. that puts things off, maybe procrastinates. But if you have a business counselor there that you're meeting with every month, uh, you had financial projections that you're supposed to meet. So those things really mm -hmm. helped me be accountable and actually get my business off the ground. Mm -hmm. How long was the course for? Or was the thing, yeah, the C program So I for? think I started last June uh, and it just wrapped up now. So basically I'm out of the program now from the end of March. So it was like 40 something weeks, 46 weeks. Mm. Uh, but the actual workshops and training was finished, I think last September. Yeah. Okay. But like, uh, and then during the program, you actually started setting up the business, getting all those things in place. Uh, and then did you actually have clients while, while still doing the course? I mean, yeah, I, I had a few clients, so uh, mostly tutoring. So I provide online language tutoring for people that want some extra English mm -hmm. practice. So I had started doing mm -hmm. that, I think, last summer. I had a couple tutoring clients. Uh, so mm -hmm. I did have, basically, I started earning a bit of revenue while I was getting my business set up. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, and, and I love the name Rice Dot. Um, it, it reminds me of something my grandma always says. It's like... <clears throat> start just start but it is really important if you can start the right way you know start strong because like that kind of gives you this momentum to keep going and um I, even though i started like in south africa using services that i had i didn't even know that i could like continue those services when i moved here really really so uh yeah i didn't um and I'm, I'm not sure why like i wasn't really told i you know just came here and oh i'm here cool and i think i only went once to, i went one to iceland's to like because you know i've been corresponding with this person for months just to see the person and say oh thank you you know you helped me and i think that person was also leaving so maybe they didn't mention like there are other services you could take here uh but also like i'm just like uh kind of eager it's like oh there are so many opportunities here i'm just gonna take it so i just you know myself personally started searching stuff and looking for like jobs and things like that i didn't even use those services so i'm like am i doing okay now maybe but it would have been helpful to you know like you said have someone holding your hand you know figuratively kind of to navigate things in canada because it's, it's different like it's a different system entirely and not just the weather so you you know started this and how did you come up with the name and what are some of the services that your company offers uh, so the name um you know i was bouncing a few names back and forth none of them really hit me as being appropriate so you know for me the mm. name had to be quite simple so right start you know is there's only one way to spell it it's short words so they could find my website basically so i i couldn't have any fancy words long words words that are ambiguously spelled so mm. um you know i don't know how exactly i came up with that i my vision was something to help newcomers get off on the right foot and get the right start in mm. Canada. It is very yeah. similar to the Start Right program. So Scotiabank has like a Start Right, you know, account and program for newcomers. So maybe that was in my head. Um, 
But actually, mm. I, I think it came to me in a dream. And I woke up and I was oh. like, okay, this is it. I have to make a decision because I needed a logo. I needed business cards. I needed a website. So eventually, you just mm. have to choose one uh, that, that sort of mm. resonates with you a bit. And so that's how I came up with that. Awesome. Uh, what are some of the services you offer? Uh, so basically what we're doing now. So we're just getting started, uh, but we're offering the one-on-one -on -one English tutoring. So we're doing those online because of COVID. You know, I, I'm hoping to expand to do like small group classes, uh, either online, maybe mm -hmm. in person once we're allowed to meet in a group. Uh, we also do mm -hmm. city tours. So we do those once a week on Saturday mornings. And those are free for participants to come along get to meet other people, see the city. Um, but, you know, we do accept mm -hmm. tips because I'm not government funded in any way. So have to make money somehow. Mm -hmm. So I put that out mm -hmm. there. If they want to leave a tip, they can. If they don't want to, that's fine too. Uh, How long does the tour take? And then, uh, is it a particular um, route you yep. follow? So we start sort of in the center of downtown Halifax. We start at the Halifax Commons. So at the Amera Oval on Cogswell Street, and then we sort of make our way through the public gardens, down Spring Garden Road, eventually end up at the waterfront near the ferry terminal. Uh, and the whole tour takes about two to two and a half hours, depending on how many people are there, the questions, the speed that people can walk, that type of thing. And how many people do you take? Uh, right now, you know, we, we haven't hit that upper limit, um, but because of COVID, you know, 10 to 15, I think would be the upper limit. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned, yeah, sorry, I was just gonna yeah, say, go we're, we're just getting started. So the largest group we've had is four. Um, and the last group we had was one. Uh, but I didn't mind, you know, it was fun. And plus, it's winter in Canada. I mean, it's cold, it's windy, it's snowing sometimes. So people aren't super eager yet to go. But it's getting warm, though. I mean, after the rain passes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you mentioned the ferry terminal. Do they get on the ferry? Uh, yeah. So, you know, the last few times there wasn't time for me to go with them and take them over to Dartmouth, but they have gone on their own. Right. So I show them how to get on the ferry. Some of them live in Dartmouth. So that's a, a good way to get home for them. And often it's a first you know, time. That's a two yeah, that's something I've not done yet. I've not gotten on the ferry and I haven't taken the harbor. Oh, yeah those two things i keep saying i'll do this summer i'll do this summer but then i don't know i yeah. don't do it maybe yeah. soon <laughs> so um now you you mentioned some live streaming things is, is yeah. that also something you do with your exactly business? yeah so we're doing like english learning live streams twice a week on mondays and thursdays at various clb levels so you know i noticed mm. a gap from people arriving in canada to you know, getting all their forms and papers, getting registered at ISANS and actually being placed in language classes. So in some cases, this can mm. take weeks, sometimes months. And I figured they're, you know, they need to do something. So if they can watch my free live streams on YouTube and Facebook, it's better than nothing. Uh, maybe some of them want some extra language training and then they can take my my one on one services. So I'm doing the English live mm. streams. And then once a week, we do also do a settlement-focused live stream where we talk to a local oh, expert. Um, last week, we had two immigrants that came within the last uh, year or two, and they were sort of sharing their settlement mm -hmm. experience, uh, providing some tips and uh, 
suggestions for newcomers. So we interview people like that. We interview like local mortgage brokers, realtors, uh, investment people, anything that is sort of relevant to the settlement process. Um, so they can participate mm -hmm. live and ask questions or they can watch the recording afterwards on YouTube or Facebook. Oh, I was just going to ask if you leave the recordings up or... Absolutely, something. yeah. So all that's on our YouTube channel, uh, Right Start Newcomer Services. So yeah, check it out, subscribe. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, just down south is the U.S. And things are changing now with a new government. But till recently, the immigration policies were totally different from Canada's approach. Why do you think, in your experience, Canada is taking this approach? And, and at least the previous government in the uh, U.S. was taking a different approach. That's a really good question. Um, so, you know, Canada's approach for a long time has been, you know, high immigration levels, um, you know, especially because they saw the demographics of Canada where the population is aging. So the baby boomers are starting to retire, starting to require more services. Um, and there was a big gap of taxpayers, right? So not enough taxpayers mm -hmm. filling the gap. Uh, companies weren't able to hire enough people to have the people with the skills and training they needed. So for quite a while, yeah. Canada has had a very open immigration policy and those numbers are continuing to increase. Um, so the last time I saw, they're looking at like 400,000 new immigrants this year. Um, I don't know, yeah. because of COVID that could be impacted, but that's that's a record yeah. that's way more than they've previously accepted. So. That accounts for, you know, about 1% of our population coming in each year. Mm -hmm. So there are many categories. There are refugees, there are skilled workers, there are entrepreneurs. Um, so I, I love Canada's mm -hmm. approach because it makes us stronger. I think it makes us more diverse. It brings in new ways mm -hmm. of thinking, access to new markets, all that stuff. So I'm totally on board with Canada's approach. The U.S. has mm -hmm. had, you know, a different approach and... So they're much more conservative about immigration uh, with the previous president. Um, I don't even want to say his name, but, mm -hmm. you know, he appealed to his base and his base was xenophobic. They didn't want, you know, people coming from Mexico or South America or, or from anywhere except for like the Nordic countries, I think they said. Um, so, you know, their approach is to keep Canada, oh, sorry, America closed off, America first, and make sure all Americans have jobs before you bring in immigrants. So to me, that's totally the wrong approach. And it's sort of a scarcity mindset that there's only so many jobs to go around and so much money and so much business. But, you know, I have the abundance mindset that the more people who come, the more services they need, the more things they buy, the economy will grow as a result of that. Um, yeah, so mm -hmm. I, I love our approach. Hopefully in the U.S. it does. I think Biden has taken some steps to open up immigration a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I think, mm -hmm. you know, they also have the same demographic challenges that we do. So they have a baby boom They're They're not having as many children as they used to. So they do need immigrants. Um, so, you know, to me, I don't know why an immigrant would choose the U.S. over Canada 
lower taxes, <laughs> higher salaries. But... Yeah, I, I don't know. Like it, the decision to me was a very easy one. Personally, I can only speak for myself. Like it was so easy. Plus, I'm black, so it was so easy to make that decision. Yeah. Um, I, I'm gonna let you go, but before I do, um. I'm curious, like, you know, so an immigrant is watching this, they leave outside Canada. What are some things you think they should know before they move? So uh, I think there's quite a few things. Uh, one is that there are services available pre-arrival. So you brought that up earlier. So services like SOPA and Arrive Prepared. So take those services. They're free once you receive your confirmation of permanent residency you do have access to those services. Um, also do your research. So research the different parts of Canada, the different streams for immigration, find one that works mm -hmm. for you, um, but realize you, know, you are able to move around once you get here. So if you decide, okay, Nova Scotia looks good, we're gonna come to Halifax and you don't like it, as long as you have your permanent residency, you're allowed to move anywhere else in Canada. So. We see that quite a bit, people moving to Toronto, Vancouver. Uh, although now, since coronavirus happened, we see people moving back here. Uh, and Halifax yeah. is actually doing really well compared to the rest of Canada. It's pretty much, I think, one of the safest places on earth. Like, you know, you look at the numbers. I, I get this email daily and it's like, you know, 24 cases. Uh, I'm like, 24 uh, there are places still in the hundreds and uh, like Toronto is still locked down. So, hey, I mean, people actually go to their offices. Yeah. So I, I was in traffic the other day. That's when I was like, oh, wow. OK, <laughs> life is kind of back to normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty come to come to Halifax. It's a uh, come to Nova Scotia. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, also, you know, the weather has its thing, but you get used to it. You get used oh, to yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's always except exciting. the winter though, except the yeah. winter. I think personally for me, it's the shoveling that gets oh, yeah. to me. Like if if I woke up and I didn't have to shovel, every other thing would be fine. For me, it's uh, <laughs> in the winter. It's the short days. So that might be shocking oh, for people, right? Yeah. When the sun goes down at four or four thirty, doesn't come up the next yeah. day till eight or something. So that's what gets to. But me. But then you make up for it because, like in summer, it stays up to like nine. It's still bright outside. Exactly. So, so it's kind of like you know, give and take, give yeah. and take. Oh man, Ian, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing, talking about Taiwan and and uh, your business. Um, it's great that you found this niche and then you put yourself in there and you're giving services to people who need them. So thank you very much for what you're doing. And thank you so much for coming to the sanctuary. You're welcome. Today. Thank you very much for having me and allowing me to talk for, you know, 45 minutes and talk about my business. <laughs> I, I really appreciate it. Mike. Also, yeah, you know, talking about the business, like how can people reach That's you? That's a good question. So uh, we have a website, so www.rightstartcanada.ca. Um, we're also on mm -hmm. Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Uh, what else? You can send me an email. So my email is ian at rightstartcanada.ca. So hopefully I, I hear from you and would love to take you on a tour. Uh, like I said, I offer some other services and you can check those out on the website as well. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. Right. Ian. Thank you very much. Have a great one.